Welcome to Get Wisdom with your hosts, Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Imagine if God was a co-host. What if the historically rare ability to converse with God and get profound answers to questions has been rediscovered? What would God say to today's troubled world? Get Wisdom will share those answers. Now, here is Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Get Wisdom. I'm Brian Kelly along with Get Wisdom founder and director, Carl Mollison. This week, Creator addresses skeptics of the afterlife. You know, uh, we complain, you know, people that are, um, you know, that, that really identify with um, the afterlife, religious notions, the paranormal, uh, believe in it, embrace it, believe it's real. I have a tendency to, you know, dismiss skeptics as, just as easily as the skeptics dismiss them. So we want to be a little bit fair today and and take a, a, a deeper look at their arguments and see what's really behind the covers there, Carl. Well, it's useful to do, and it's productive because everyone's different, but society has certain standards, certain conventions, and science is the way it's done these days to tell what's real from what might be conjecture or wishful thinking or fantasy, misinterpretation, superstition, and so on. But science doesn't always get it right, and science has lots of limitations. And I get a lot of this kind of insight from Creator. It does the best it can, but it's not an absolute test of anything necessarily, because science itself changes constantly, and this is something people don't realize. It's a moving target. Science comes up with ideas and hypotheses and sets about reinforcing them with evidence. And then those paradigms get overturned and a new hypothesis replaces the old one and life goes on. So so nothing is for sure. This no. is what we have to live with. We live in a world of uncertainty and people want certainty. You know, we, we see that in a lot of the, the writings that skeptics bring forth, but unfortunately it's not that way. U.S. Creator, the assertions Creator is being asked to address in this episode come from the volume, The Myth of an Afterlife, The Case Against Life After Death. The author, Matt McCormick, wrote, the physical structures of the brain are causally responsible for consciousness and its capacities. A neuroscientist examining scans of a, strokes, of a stroke victim's brain can now predict, sometimes with remarkable accuracy, right down to the millimeter, exactly what sorts of cognitive, conceptual, emotional, or psychological problems that the patient will experience as a result of his or her brain damage. The connection is too great, too pervasive, too immediate, and too strong to be ignored. The physical foundations of mental functions shows that the alleged separation of mind from brain posited by the dualistic survival hypothesis will not occur. And, and dualistic survival basically means, you know, there's a consciousness that survives death of the brain. What can Creator tell us about this skeptic's conclusion? All right, and this is what I channeled from Creator of All That Is. Unfortunately, this is a highly biased and highly superficial analysis of the question being posed, but sought through very narrow means. This is the problem with all who are narrow-minded. Their narrow-mindedness keeps them trapped within a small body of knowledge, 
it happens to be all they know and are unable to use that as a springboard to go outside the box, so to speak, to envision anything new or even more vast in nature than the narrow confines they have created for themselves. This is typical of the materialist who follow the scientific method to dissect things into ever smaller component parts, looking at each selectively and singly, and sometimes in isolation, in an attempt to understand the whole. Sometimes this is simply impossible. If you take out a critical component and everything shuts down, one cannot conclude that that particular component represents the whole and is the sum total, the be all and end all of, in this case, consciousness. Nor can one see some moderation or alteration of perception or the way in which consciousness behaves with the alteration of a small component part of the brain and draw any truly meaningful conclusion about consciousness, its origin, and its role in things from what happens from that perturbation. The best analogy we can give you for ease of understanding is likening the brain to a television set, as that is basically a receiver of a signal. In the case of the brain, it is consciousness acting on the brain, and the functions of the brain and its component parts are to make sense of the energy of consciousness as a signal of the intentions desired. It is experienced in various ways, at various levels of the brain, in part as a working of the mind and in part as effects going out to impinge on the body as a result, perhaps, of conscious intentions for something to happen, such as an athletic feat or something quite prosaic about grooming oneself in the morning on awakening. If you impinge on the brain and take bits and pieces away or suppress them, Something might happen that is very reproducible, but that says nothing about the origin or intention for that behavior to be exhibited and demonstrated through the workings of the mind or body and reported to investigators observing the individual under study. So you could take a television set apart piece by piece and look at what happens to the content being displayed with respect to picture and sound and draw conclusions about the functional role of those components in the overall performance of the television set. But that will only speak to the output that is discernible from scientific observation and will tell you little about where the actual information being displayed originates and how it got to the television set to be displayed. When it comes to the brain and consciousness and its consequences, Science is completely in the dark about the true origin of consciousness and makes a sweeping generalization that because perturbing the physical anatomy of the brain in various ways will affect conscious awareness, particular thoughts, and exhibition of many aberrant responses, it must be the case that consciousness is arising in those component parts of the brain itself when in fact they are simply a processing center of some kind to convey or perhaps integrate incoming information via the energy of consciousness itself to impinge on the brain to make things happen. So the person is aware of their consciousness at work. The brain is only a receiver of consciousness 
and a kind of display and relay mechanism to act as an interface between consciousness and the physical being. It is not the origin of consciousness. So all of the scientific observations obtained by dissecting the brain through electrical stimulation, ablation of some brain areas as done in animal studies, or observing experiments of nature causing brain damage, do not tell the whole story. When an area of the brain is damaged by illness or accident and seeing a deficit, that proves nothing about the origin of the consciousness giving rise to what would be normal human behavior and thought, only that a particular part of the brain is necessary to experience or exhibit that conscious signal. Science will have to look beyond the body to truly understand consciousness. They are turning the data and the question on its head to go back to the source of most readily observed manifestations of consciousness, that is the brain and physical body, and summarily dismiss from studies of that locale anything that is reported by individuals as happening beyond the body itself, as their consciousness might go out and roam beyond the body, as happens in the dream state and in various paranormal phenomena, very accurately called out-of-body experiences. This is true of the so-called near-death experiences of many who have witnessed things they could not, could not have known without consciousness leaving the body for a, time, a coma state and recalling it later on. Studies of that kind are also going to where consciousness is producing measurable and verifiable phenomena. To stay within the brain and attempt to observe the workings of consciousness limits what can happen dramatically in truly getting to the root of the question and adding anything meaningful to the discussion, other than reinforcement of prior assumptions that nothing happens beyond the body itself and the brain in particular. Well, I can tell you from the reading and studying I've done that uh, the skeptics are definitely triggered by out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences. Uh, that, that throws a monkey wrench into their, into their wonderful, well-tuned, well-oiled machine that they've constructed for themselves. And uh, they're not happy about it, Carl, not, not even a little bit. And uh, creator says, you know, the brain damage and the, the fractionation of consciousness does not tell the whole story. There's a lot more going on here. Well, and one of the problems is Different fields of inquiry don't necessarily talk to one another or interface with one another. That's very true. <laughs> you know, the, the, the very few scientists who study consciousness per se are kind of in their own little niche and, and largely ignored by yes. the mainstream of science because it's solidly materialist. Yes. And so the kinds of scientists we're talking about today and their observations are the mainstream. You can poke and prod and measure and see what happens. It's like, you know, the old uh, uh, work of Galvani back in uh, hundreds of years ago, getting a frog leg to twitch through yeah. stimulating it and seeing that that is an electrical uh, response later on by other scientists and so on. And we're not much further along. Because the fact, tools are crude. 
yeah, the 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 first half of the book that I that is being referenced here is is written pretty much by neurologists and, and neuroscientists, you know, that have this very materialistic outlook, you know. And you're right, they they're not they're not leaving their neuroscience backyard. You know, they're not really looking at the other stuff. And in fact, they come out and say, well, you know, OBEs and uh, mediums and all those talks have been dealt reliably by other sources. I don't have to worry about it. It's like, well, geez, <laughs> okay, whatever, you know. But that is their attitude. That's their attitude. You well, ask, great. Oh, go ahead. The now. assumption that what they're doing can explain away other things that are observed in other ways in other um, really physical locations uh, is is astonishing to me. Oh yeah, and 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 creator calls them narrow minded, <laughs> and, and I, that's a fitting description, really. Yeah, and it's it's astonishing to me too. You know, it's a it's a big driver for my diving into this topic. To be honest with you, U.S. creator Matt McCormick wrote: Research shows remarkable relationships between brain tumors and brain chemistry on the one hand, and bizarre thoughts or behaviors on the other. In one patient, the onset of hypersexuality, obsession with pornography, and pedophilia paralleled the growth of a tumor in his right orbitofrontal lobe. When the tumor was removed, his urges lapsed. When the tumor grew back, his pedophilia returned. What can Creator tell us about this tumor-to-behavior relationship? All right, this is Creator's explanation. Here is another experiment of nature which has a materialist explanation that is incomplete because the workings of the mind are still poorly understood as well as the consciousness that generates thought. The phenomenon in question here is actually the triggering of cellular consciousness. That is a local consciousness as a working mechanism of brain tissue and its cellular makeup and it has a memory component. It is a fairly limited and primitive repository, but tends to have content that is impactful and has a striking characteristic, and that is why space is given to it, to store it locally rather than in the deep recesses of the memory bank, which is outside the body altogether. This is why the stimulation of particular brain cells can bring up memories, and reproducibly so, if the same cells of the brain are triggered repeatedly. This does not mean all memory is within the brain. It is simply a subset of consciousness of a local level that has practical utility, being close at hand, and particularly for things that have a repetitive nature where a response or stimulus has been learned and reinforced and therefore experienced over and over again, so it can be triggered rapidly on demand. And this can include things of a fairly complex nature as well, all of which assist many complex functions being done on the fly, so to speak, and the many corresponding independently coordinated thoughts, feelings, perceptions, and even physical movements involving many nerves and muscles at widely disparate locations of the body as in doing gymnastics or other athletic feats or musical performance at a keyboard, and in this case, sexual feelings. So the fact that perturbing any particular location of the brain can cause the elicitation of images and perceptions and fragments of thoughts and desires 
is a direct demonstration of cellular consciousness that is a kind of local repository and reference for easy display, much like a built-in video recorder within a television that can store some highly prized content locally so it is readily available to repeat on request without having to go to the more complicated maneuvers to get the information from the broadcast network beyond the television set itself. So the existence of these phenomena does not prove the contention that the brain is the be-all and end-all of consciousness, only that consciousness is more profound and has both local and distant origins and effects. Not to mention the fact all of that complexity and intricate nature adds to the overwhelming evidence against a materialist view that all of this fancy footwork, so to speak, arose across time as a consequence of matter and energy acting randomly. Well, I can tell you with fairly good authority, I think, that the brain is definitely not the only repository of memory. And in fact, the entire body, body, the muscular you know, systems of the body are used to um, help contain or even store, especially traumatic memories. You know, the whole idea of repressed memory from uh, incidents in childhood that causes a form of amnesia. Um, a guy named Wilhelm Reich had done a bunch of studies where he used massage to loosen up tightened musculature uh, within the body structure. And oftentimes patients would basically have a flashback like PTSD, right back to their traumatic event that they experienced as a child. So the memories are not completely contained within the brain. That I, I can give you that pretty much uh, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so this, this is more profound than even this answer reflects, as you're pointing out, that the, you can find cellular consciousness in the brain, but you can find cellular consciousness everywhere in the body. It's yes. a universal phenomenon that things have consciousness. Yes. And, and it's a very important aspect because it is a repository of memory and linking to deeper repositories as well. So the, there's a very complex interplay between cellular consciousness and long-term memory. And, and that's a complex discussion, but it's important to understand. Yeah. And it certainly doesn't mean that the brain is the seat of everything that happens and the cause of everything that happens. Right. And, you know, we've learned just recently, just in the last couple of shows, in fact, that cellular consciousness can actually be recorded in the Akashic Records and used to prepare a body for a future incarnation. So, yeah, it's it's a <laughs> to say it's a complex subject is uh, putting it mildly, Carl. Be sure to check us out at GetWisdom.com. Download our ebook on the Lightworker Healing Protocol because that is the answer to all of humanity's dilemmas. Get it today, GetWisdom.com slash LHP, GetWisdom.com slash LHP, and get our prayer book, Empowered Prayer, GetWisdom.com slash prayer, We'll be right back with more Get Wisdom right after this. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. 
At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the segment segment of this week's Get Wisdom. We're looking at uh, creators addressing uh, skeptics of the afterlife. And really, we're, we're throwing at creator their very best arguments, you know, I've, you can call me guilty of cherry picking, but I'm trying to cherry pick their very, very best arguments, Carl. Well, science holds sway for most people and certainly our institutions as the final arbiter of truth. If it's scientifically proven, it's established, and that seems to be a given then. And many times it's only provisional. And I would say it's always provisional because the science of today bears no resemblance to the science of 100 years ago or 200 or 500. And this will be the case going forward because we know science is only scratching the surface still. Yes. U.S. creator Matt McCormick wrote, and I want to quickly point out that Matt McCormick wrote only one article in this book, which is actually a collection of articles by other authors as well. So I just wanted to point out that little detail. Matt McCormick wrote, patients with no history of gambling find themselves overwhelmed with the urge to gamble when their dosages of Parkinson's drug, Premipexol, cross a particular threshold, sometimes leading them to gamble away their life savings. But when the dosage is reduced, the urge vanishes. Can Creator tell us what is really going on here? All right, this is Creator's reply. Here is another example of a local phenomenon being triggered to be perceived by a drug effect within the brain tissue. So what is happening is that stored preferences and a kind of emotional interpretation and experiencing is stored locally as a function of cellular memory and the drug has the ability to change the chemical makeup locally to trigger the signal from that area of the brain to be perceived with an emergence of the urges and the desire for an activity to satisfy those urges. All is a component of prior experience because this is a primitive, almost reflex action. It is without logic and has a life of its own. And the patient might feel compelled to follow this urge because it has the full attention of the mind during the experiencing. 
And so it becomes the marching orders of the moment, at least, and will be given a high priority and perhaps without an ability to self-censor and therefore have self-control to override it. So what is happening is the suppression of some of the local information while other portions are enhanced. And that is why there is an exaggerated and even self-destructive impulse that might hold sway and be honored again and again and again and lead to painful and life-altering consequences in defiance of reason and logic by the victim. There is a gas pedal being engaged heavily with no brake that works to counter it as a consequence of the distortion produced by the drug present in the system. I have to say, this is an answer that's tough to wrap my head around completely. It's, it's, it's really quite the, con- the quandary. But what Creator is, is essentially sharing with us is that our perception of a, our own unified consciousness is actually a collage of multiple inputs from other consciousnesses that make up our entire self. You know, we're, we're more like a collage of consciousness rather than a single point. At least that's my understanding of it. Well, and when you use pharmacological approaches to regulate something so complicated, there's some things you can get away with, some things you can't. And the downsides are predictable as well because you can get too much of a good thing. So if you have... Uh, an antipsychotic drug, for example, that suppresses hallucinations that are likely the product of uh, cellular consciousness, dampening that down, a kind of anesthetic effect can be life-altering for the better if it keeps someone able to function normally. Right. But it's, it's only a holding action, and it's a, it's a Band-Aid. It's a cover-up of something truly happening, and you're, you're just applying some kind of a suppression that is really, really pretty crude, and that's why you get into trouble, because you might want to suppress certain feelings, but not all feelings, and, and right. that's hard to get the specificity. Yeah, absolutely. U.S. creator Matt McCormick wrote, Cotard's syndrome, or the delusion of belief that you are dead, that you don't exist, or that you have lost your organs or blood, results from damage to the channels of interaction between the fusiform face area and the limbic system. What can creator tell us about this? Are the researchers over-attributing causality to the brain damage alone? Would the same symptoms and delusions inevitably result in any person that suffered similar brain damage? All right, and Creator says, this is a perceptive question because, in fact, there would be a variety of presentations, and that is already inherent within your question. Belief you are dead is quite different than believing you have simply lost organs or blood. All have to do with some kind of loss of bodily makeup, along with no conscious awareness of how illogical the thought might be that the thought truly adds. For someone to believe they are dead and tell you this flies in the face of basic logic, but not to them. So here what is taking place is another clue. In fact, the consciousness has a life and an origin and an agenda of its own that arises somewhere beyond the break, beyond the brain. And when the brain is perturbed, some of the signal gets lost 
and what remains is fragmentary and may even be illogical or counterintuitive to other perceptions and certainty. In this example, basic common sense. So that lost content is clearly important for normal functioning and in its absence leaves the person in a fragmentary state. And again, this does not speak to whether the part that is missing originates originally in that particular area of the brain that is assumed to be faulty or is simply not being perceived and added to all that is simply assumed to originate in that brain location when such is not the case. Here again, the variety of things that can happen illustrate what gets through can be variable and may depend on workings of the mind and its consciousness that are going on in other working parts of the brain and being perceived but lacking important portions to truly make sense of it. One person's experience may well differ from another's in the same way that television programming changes over time. So what you receive on a television set one day might be different the next. That does not prove that the television set is creative. It only provides a set of observations in want of a deeper way to probe things to find where the signal is truly coming from and how that comes about in the creation. You know, when I was reading this answer, I was thinking, you know, we know that when some people pass on, that they get stuck in limbo and that many of these people are essentially ghosts and they don't even know they're dead. Conversely, on here's somebody that still is living within the body, a soul that has not, not departed yet, and yet they believe they're dead. So we're seeing a manifestation of consciousness that uh, is kind of interesting. And I think we'll be exploring this idea of uh, the conscious reality of what it's like to be in limbo more, Carl. Well, in, there's always a cause with an effect. So when you perturb the brain and something bizarre is experienced and relayed to the observer, that has an origin. And they're only thinking about the tissue and how weird it is that these various things can reside or originate within tissue locally in the brain. And they're coming to believe, well, that's just ordinary. And the actuality is these could be learned pieces of information coming from possessing spirits. Yes, yes. I was. It could be coming from dream material from the deep subconscious looking at past lives yeah. and bringing those dark experiences to life. And then the conscious self is exposed in kind of indirectly to horrendous things and might start to think about them. Yeah. And, and that gets... It, and I've seen it, it, it grows in the cellular memory. Yeah, I've seen echoes of this in the material that I'm reading, and I'm reminded of the fact that we know that nine out of ten people have dark spirit attachments, right? So yeah. that would make sense that they're seeing manifestations of very negative behavior when the brain is compromised. If nine out of ten people have these onboard conscious parasites going on, so well, yeah, and, so, and I know these mechanisms I've described take place. I had a client once who uh, struck me very quickly as being delusional. And one of the things she told me was, I have no blood. And I said, well, how do you know that that's so? And she said, well, they can never get blood for me. Whenever I go in and, and they, they need to get a blood sample, they can never get it. They can cut me, they can prick me, and I don't believe. There's no blood there. 
Okay, so this is clearly someone who is, <laughs> you know, even logic would tell you, you know, that cannot be if you're still alive. You right, know? So, right. But the interesting thing was I found in looking at her Akashic records that she had been alive at the time of the Holocaust during World War II and was in a concentration camp. And she was pressed into duty as an inmate to assist guards harvesting blood from people. Oh, boy. And I don't want to get too too grisly here, but this this is some weird, twisted scheme. The commandant wanted blood from the inmates to, to fertilize his garden. Oh my gosh! And wow. she was going from person to person with a with a white enamel pan, collecting blood as they bled these people out. So, this is karma. Somehow, wow. she's getting some awareness within her mind. There's something about her and blood. Right, and, and it's that's... dark and it's evil, and and th- this is it's much more complex than these kinds of simple observations re- reveal, and much more important and fascinating to understand. Absolutely, Matt McCormick wrote: even rats are responsive to the pain of others, refusing to eat when they're eating inflicts electric shocks on other rats. He used this to argue that even more morality is a product of evolution. What is Creator's perspective? All right, and Creator answers as follows. Here again is circular reasoning that because everything is presumed to have evolved from a primordial soup, this would have to be true true of consciousness and signs of morality in the form of an assumed altruistic instinct of animals to perhaps help one another or feel distress observing the suffering of a member of the species. This, too, is circular reasoning, assumed in the absence of evidence that evolution is behind creation. And so that presumed random process that has no reason or logic behind it might be capable of causing everything through a process of natural selection because it might have survival value. If one has respect for fellow members of one's species, that could help the individual survive and helping to take care of its group and so on. That proves nothing truly about morality other than self-preservation is a motivation for a being capable of having at least a primitive understanding of cause and effect. But here again, science is turning the world upside down assuming in advance where everything comes from. Science assumes everything comes up from the bottom and somehow reaches the top in a very refined and even elegant depiction of reason and logic and even morality as an important inner characteristic is displayed most dramatically by human beings over and over again, even from a very young age. We can tell you with authority because we created everything that everything is indeed a creation that came from the top down. All species were created to be what they are and not a product of evolution. They were part of an ongoing experiment in a widening degree of orchestration and complexity added to again and again to build on what came before. So the fossil record might well show some things were present prior to more recently arrived species, but that sequence was not a consequence of random effects 
happening to give rise to the new variety of life forms, all were added purposefully and with a plan in mind. So the fact that rats have a semblance of human altruism as a behavior is not surprising because the universe is love-based. So even predatory species can exhibit nurturing behavior, a true caring for the young, and this can translate into caring for familiar adults of the same species or even strangers because of a kind of self-identification. And noting another fellow being in trouble and personalizing their suffering with an understanding of what that could mean to them will certainly get their attention, if not ruin their day. So the fact they might stop eating tells you little more than rats might well care about one another, because even such a primitive, low-level demonstration of loving concern is not at all surprising in a life form created by the Almighty, because we put love into everything in some form or another, if only in its beauty, to be enjoyed by other more intelligent species who can appreciate form as well as looking for things to eat without concern for appearance. You know, Creator doesn't really demonstrate any chagrin, but this would be as close to chagrin, I think, as a Creator can come up with in terms of an answer. But, you know, the, the way where Creator says that, you know, science is looking at bottom-up you know, evolution. I, I thought that was a pretty profound answer. Well, I did as well. I, I thought that was an example of creator-level thinking to take something and describe it in such an elegant simplicity to clarify how wrongheaded it is and how we operate. And when you start from the wrong end of the problem and work <laughs> your way forward or backwards, really, yeah. Right. You're not going to get somewhere you need to go or want to go. You're you're going to go into a narrow uh, and a narrowing uh, dead end. Well, to be crude, it's like starting at the colon and ending up at the brain. You know, <laughs> you know this whole thing. We start off with, from a primordial soup of just you know uh, little bits of energy floating around, and by magic, random chance, we end up with ourselves. You know. It's, I've always had a hard time wrapping my head around that, but uh, it uh, creator really, really makes a big point. And the idea of that, you know, anything that the Almighty has created is going to incorporate elements of love in it, even if it's a, even if it's a probably a creation that ultimately had a karmic motivation to it, like some of the predators we have around here. There's, there's still love to be found within their paradigm. Yeah. Well, it again, we get back to circular reasoning. The, the debate is about natural selection through evolution versus design. Right. Yep. And science makes the assumption, well, design was impossible because there's no designer. There is no God. Right. And a story. Right. So and they're done. <laughs> they have yeah. their theory of how it could have evolved, but they can't consider the alternative because they've already decided that it's impossible yes. without doing any science. I agree. Check us out at GetWisdom.com. Check out our healing services. There's a healing tab on the main menu on the front page as you get to GetWisdom.com. And we'll be right back with more Get Wisdom right after this. (music) 
scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the final segment of this week's Get Wisdom. We're looking at uh, how Creator is addressing some of the best arguments of skeptics of the afterlife. And I have to say that uh, I'm pretty blown away by a lot of these answers, Carl. Well, Creator can bring things down to our level in a way that's hard for science to do because it's it's built on a lot of assumptions and it's so jargon-filled and complex that they they win simply by being the authority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And their learnedness helps defend them and keep them, you know, in this kind of ivory tower. And they're very complacent and happy there and don't realize that it's it's built on too many assumptions and they don't stand up to deep scrutiny either. No. Within their own little package is pretty tight and consistent, but uh, there's too many outliers, and they have a tendency to just ignore them because they they can't accommodate them within their paradigm. That's why they attack uh, parapsychological researchers as charlatans, because they simply don't have room for these manifestations in their theories. There's just no room for them. U.S. creator, atheist evolutionists have a tendency to showcase theory as fact. Matt McCormick wrote, experts have now converged on the view that evolution favored hyperactive agency detection devices, or HADD. The basic idea is there is survival benefit to detecting or attributing agency or intentionality to many things in our environment. It is better to mistake a boulder for a bear than a bear for a boulder. Mistaking too many things as conscious agents is a helpful error since detecting too few of them can be deadly. McCormick speculates that this is why we are so quick to believe in brainless consciousness. We can't help it, McCormick writes. The prevailing view is that seeing manifestations of God's conscious will, desires and goals in the world is a byproduct of (laughs) H-A-D-D. What is Creator's perspective? Okay, here we go. This is what Creator says, here again is narrow-minded thinking and a kind of presumptuousness. 
to take a miracle of creation and think of it as little more than an acronym, a very limited and primitive demonstration of pattern recognition within the working of the brain in what the mind is perceiving and reacting to. The reality is the world is filled with many conscious intentions of great elegance and purpose of all kinds at all levels among the beings in nature, and this includes plants and microorganisms, all of whom have consciousness and exhibit an ability to interact with the environment with purpose and more perception and consequence than still given credit to by science. This is simply taking a scientifically observable phenomenon of pattern recognition and its interpretation and generalizing it as representing one of those random good fortunes that happen to give people a wherewithal to survive in the natural world through a series of such fortunate random mutations that allowed cobbling together a working capability to navigate with purpose and survive in taking care of themselves long enough to reproduce. This is a good illustration of reductionism as a biased assumption of science that because everything came from nothing, even the most complex organism and its actions can be dissected and the component parts be sorted out and their genetic predisposition even traced through a comparison of the gene makeup of many organisms to see where it might have arisen first and then handed down through an evolutionary process going from something primitive to something more complex and even elegant. All of this flies against logic and reason on the part of biologists to make the sweeping assumptions and pre-interpret all the data to fit the prior bias to arrive at a reasonable intellectual outcome supporting their theory, when in fact the data do not fit and actually can be interpreted as the very opposite of their contention as we have described, that everything you have was pre-designed and brought into being during a creation event by a greater intelligence than yours. So in a sense, they are taking the idea of God and dissecting that. And by seeing a semblance of intelligence, creativity, and even reducing them to their merest basic component parts as though that is all they represent, a lucky combination of chance events bringing about something useful and nothing more, that there is nothing really exalted or divine in the existence of love. It simply is convenient and useful and assumed to be a product of evolution when in fact it is the reason you exist in the first place as you were created to spread love through the universe, giving and receiving to deal with things like evil. That is creator's plan, not a random consequence of evolution that you so often find yourselves facing obstacles greater than yourselves and need to find a way to surmount them to come out on top. That quest is represented all through literature, reflecting the workings of human culture and the rise of individuals who are special and leave a mark that is much deeper and more profound a purpose than simply needing to breathe find food, and reproduce the species. Science will never understand the divine using scientific tools of the kind assumed to be productive, but are simply scratching the surface of a very deep and vast creation more wondrous than you can imagine or will be discerned through physical systems brought to bear by physical beings 
when, like consciousness, the energies transcend the physical to begin with. You know, that last sentence can be applied to the extraterrestrials as well, because they're just a enhanced version of our current secular scientists. And, you know, the objections that the scientists have to the afterlife, the ETs have, a, in a sense, a more tortured understanding of it. They, they kind of object to it, too, but they have exceptions, more exceptions built on top of exceptions. At least that's what we've learned through many channelings in the past, Carl. Well, and because they're loveless and atheists, they've worked steadily to take God away from us because they know it gives us comfort, yeah. if nothing more tangible. And th that's how we came to be so doubting and so limited in our views of things, by throwing God out. And then we have to come up with a scientific hypothesis to explain everything. And that's why science is so very limited. We remove the core center of existence from discussion. Yep, yep. And scientists think that, uh, you know, that they're going to obviously expand their their understanding and expand their knowledge base. And, and they ultimately will, but what you're going to end up with is what the ETs got. And, and what, what we've learned so far is that what they got is continues to be extremely limited. So it's not a destination you really want to sign up for. You ask creator, the secular headwinds are strong and appear to be growing stronger. Can creator share with us how empowered prayer and the light worker healing protocol can turn this trend around in time to save humanity from the encroaching darkness? All right, this is creator's answer. Your question suddenly turns things quite dark here in alluding to there being serious problems far beyond probing into what science is doing. In a sense, scientists condemn themselves to being primitive life forms by ignoring lines of evidence they are actually greater in origin, makeup, and potential achievement. The reason that is so is not they are stupid. It is they are being minded by overseers to keep them limited. So they are going around in circles, not asking the right questions and ignoring lines of evidence that would be productive in leading them out of their cul-de-sac to a wider arena that is rich with discoverable knowledge, but they will never stumble on it going about it the way they are. This is a deliberate manipulation done by the interlopers who were physical extraterrestrials corrupted by dark spirit attachments to be devoid of morality and disconnected from the divine. This is a very profound experiment of nature completely missed by science because of disbelief of such things as spirits and will ignore any evidence of their existence because it does not fit current scientific dogma. The scientists themselves are manipulated to disbelieve such things and ignore such evidence. It is a kind of mind lock that controls what happens to limit them. So unfortunately, science is of little use for true scientific advancement, only churning much of the same knowledge to see if they can squeeze more juice out of the orange, so to speak when there is a whole wide universe yet to be explored and taken advantage of for expansion of knowledge and human capability. Your reach is only as great as your beliefs, both in the divine and yourselves. This is why Empowered Prayer and the Lightworker Healing Protocol are being brought forth through your channel to assist you in changing the world for the better. You will never escape your controllers without divine help. It is that simple. 
This is because there is no time to waste. Your controllers are tired of toying with you and want to leave and destroy humanity as a parting shot. They loathe you as a lesser species in their view. Your resistance to manipulation, your defiance to rise up again and again, wanting something good to happen, irks them greatly. And they simply do not understand you because they are atheists and, as a consequence, loveless. Because they've cut themselves off from their origin and are no longer able to receive guidance from the divine realm, nor to feel love in any form. This is not only sad, it is dangerous to be around because they are relentless predators. They are savage and they are engaged in wholesale depravity. You need empowered prayer, working in concert with many other humans, and for many of you to become Lightworker Healing Protocol practitioners to do healing sessions for this problem and its component parts. That is all built into this protocol and can be engaged with by anyone as long as they hold belief in the divine and feel worthy to get divine assistance for themselves and the benefit of humanity. Using the protocol adds healing energy to turn the problem around. And if enough of that outreach is done from the human side, it will be the answer to the prayers of humanity made again and again down through the ages with all the suffering from the many travails, the scourges, the natural disasters of all kinds, all of which are engineered by the interlopers and have left a legacy of tremendous karmic damage in their wake. If you choose to take action, you can change your destiny for the better and the destiny of all of humanity. There is no better use for your time and energy than that. Well, we are in quite the dilemma, Carl, because, you know, we're looking to science to supply the answers, but science is on a trajectory that's going to end up where the interlopers are at, which who are our nemesis, because they have become dark, they have become depraved, and they're using all of their scientific prowess to entertain themselves through our suffering because they're frankly bored. And so that's not a solution. We, we need the divine to step in and intervene. And we need to ask for that intervention to really turn things around, not only for ourselves, but for the perpetrators, the ones that are doing this to us. Well, this is the big secret that's been right out in the open, but little appreciated more and more, that God is love. And yes. without God, there is no love. It will fade. It will dissipate. And it'll be gone one day forever unless we move the other direction yep. and go back to God for help. And you can see that trajectory all through human history, and especially if you're open-minded enough to look at the clues of of alien interaction with humanity over the ages. There's plenty of it out there, actually. And you can see it's pretty dark, that it's not love-based. So we need to bring love in if we're really going to turn things around. And the best way to do that is the Lightwork Healing Protocol. You can get the ebook, getwisdom.com slash LHP, getwisdom.com slash LHP. And that's all we have for this week, Carl. Thanks a lot. Okay, be well. Thank you for listening today. Please tune in next Friday for another edition of Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They'll be here at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a beautiful week. 